You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for just this room, these people, your word, um, songs and melodies and instruments and voices and all the things that we bring in this place inside our heads, inside of our hearts. Would you just today, even right now, just let us uh, gaze upon your face would you let us receive the invitation that you offer us to, to dine with you, to delight in your presence? We, we need you. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name. We all know what it feels like to be hungry, right? Whether that's like a, a season of life where food is legit, difficult to come by, or for like on a long hike and we forgot to bring our trail mix, right? We know what that feels like. We're, we're familiar with the attention uh, uh, that a hungry belly commands and demands of us. And, and we know how powerful that longing can be and how it grumbles for satisfaction. While hunger is a physical thing, it's literally something that our bodies are, are craving in the physical. We know that it even attaches to and it shapes our emotions. So we have, we have emotions for the word hungry and it's, it's hangry, right? Um, last week I, I wasn't here uh, and, and we got to spend the weekend with some fun people. My son's soccer tournament down in Louisville and lots of downtime and with that in the particular tribe that we're hanging with, lots of alcohol and other things, right? Uh, mainly for the parents, not for the kids, but uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so, so we had some downtime, and we were hanging out, hanging out in the hotel lobby, and, uh, and some people got food, like we just stopped in and got something on the way back, and, and some people had ordered food, and like it was like that restless, it was like late, 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 like 11 p.m., 11.30, and like where is the food, the pizza people coming in the, the lobby, and like, is that, all? no, it's not ours, What's in, and so like there's a group of people that had not received their food, and they're like, what is the deal? One of the pizza guys is from Papa John's. Uh, this is not brought to you by Papa John's today. Um, and, and the guy said, well, they, they probably just canceled your order. And they're like, what, what do you mean? He's like, they just probably just canceled it. And so they're like calling. Well, you can only order online. They go online. I mean, that's not doing any good. So like things are escalating. And it was like cool for a while. And then it was kind of like, man, like the kids are like, hey, when's food coming? You know, all this stuff. And so it's escalating. There, there's this one pizza place that's open. But it's like $30 a pizza, and they're like, okay, we're not paying $30 a pizza. Like, so they walked, like a handful of dads walked to Papa John's, like the place that they were calling and trying. They just walked down there. It's like a block and a half away, and they're like, oh, we don't take uh, walk-ins. You have to order online. And they're like, what? And so they come, like one of the guys, he kind of like, <clears throat> he kind of lost his cool a little bit in that moment, right? 
So they come back, and, and he's like telling us this, and he's like already feeling bad, like, man, I, I, I kind of lost my cool. With, like, but she was, you know, and like, but, but really what was going on was he was hangry. Like, that's what was happening. Like, it was, it was this, like, if we just had food, and, and here's the thing, that $30 pizza started sounding really, really good. And so, so one of the guys like, fine, I'll get it, I'll get it, you know, ordered five pizzas, 100 and whatever dollars. He gets there, and there were only three pizzas He's like, I thought it was five. So for a hundred and something dollars, they get three pizzas. Now they were large pizzas with large slices. Um, but the cost wasn't worth it until it was worth it. And, and all because they wanted to eat. Now on a cool note, just a sidebar to some humanity and all this. We're sitting there playing cards. And one of the guys at some point says like, hey, you're, I think he called me a, a minister. Like you're a minister, right? Yeah, I'm, I think I know what you mean by that. I'm a minister. And he's like, how do you like keep track here of, of like, my words, not his, like of sermon illustrations, like the things that you say. And I was like, well, like I, I try not, just not to talk about my kids like every single week. And I have to like take in other stuff and read books and other culture and just take stuff in. And then, so then this happens, all this stuff happens. And I said, hey, remember what you asked me like 45 minutes ago? I said, can I read you the first line to the sermon that I'm going to preach in, in two weeks? He said, yeah. I said, we all know what it feels like to be hungry. I said, and I was going to talk about something stupid, but now I get to talk about you guys, right? <laughs> no joke, the guy who was like a little upset at himself was like, man, I'm not like reading the whole sermon like over Euchre in the hotel lobby at, at 1 a.m., but it, but it was a good chat, right? <laughs> the Bible is inspired by the Spirit, but it's written through like common people in particular places in time, and, and the writers use analogies to draw pictures and to connect lines, and, and here in this passage, we see deep hunger as a way to connect Jesus to ultimate satisfaction. We see a contrast of, of longing and a contrast of satisfaction from, from that which the world delivers and then that which Christ alone brings to those who dine. Those who eat the true bread of life will be satisfied today and forever. That's what Jesus says. True bread of life will be satisfied today and forever. This is a passage uh, primarily about satisfaction more than food. And Jesus invites us into satisfaction beyond anything this world can offer. And he offers peace and chaos and comfort and suffering and, and gratitude and celebration. But it's no surprise that our bellies, our hearts yearn to be satisfied in things that nothing in this life can deliver. Right? That's what we're looking at. And so we'll look at kind of three chunks, and, and I'll get to most of this stuff, but not all of it. Um, the, the first one is this. Eat forever, not for now. Or eat for forever, but you see why I did that. Eat forever, not for now. Like, so here's what's going on in this passage. Jesus has just done some stuff, right? And, and we're continuing on. We'll get into this even in the, the next couple weeks. But, but some people are following him because he just did some more signs. He, he, he fed a bunch of people when there was no food. And he, he walked on water and he, he's doing these things. And so everybody's looking after him and they can't find him. And I think of that, that gif with John Travolta where he walks in and he just looks like this. He does that, and they just can't find him anywhere. Like, where, where are you at, right? Where, where is Jesus? And then they see him, and they said, oh, Jesus, like, gosh, how, how did you get here? See, the thing of it is, normally seeking Jesus is a really good thing. But for these people, it's, it's not so much, right? And Jesus confronts right away, like, gosh, we've been looking everywhere. How did you get here? And this is what he says. He says, 
Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So there's people flocking. Jesus, oh, there he is. Jesus, where have you been? Look, you don't want me for who I am. You want me for what you can get. That's what he says. Like you're familiar with the term gold digger, right? And it's, it's someone who, who pursues a relationship not for love or, or for companionship or whatever, but for, for money or for diamonds or for power or for material gain. It's why the wealthy may establish like a prenuptial a- agreement, which, you know, if you have one of those, we, we can chat or whatever. But that's, we're doing this. We're coming in together. But, but just in case you're not all in, like, I want to make sure that I'm safe. I'm covered. And so that, that happens because when money is on the table, the chance for mistrust and abuse and, and misuse is high. I don't know if you've seen the Tinder swindler on Netflix, right? But it's, it's this guy who meets these women on Tinder, and he shows up, and he, he like, lavishes, like, just money, like, over a weekend, fine dining, going out on yachts, all these things. And he establishes a relationship that over months, and he's like, I'm a big deal, and there's a lot of people out to get me. And, you know, then eventually he's like, man, I, like, security encouraged me to cancel my, my credit cards because, you know, theft and all this. Like, can you send me some money? And they're like, well, sure. Like, they know he's good for it because he just spent a bunch of money. And, and so then they end up sending him money. And ultimately, like, hey, I, I know I, I'll, I'll get it to you this week, but I just need a little bit more time and a little bit more money. Can you get $20,000? I can't do that. Well, what if I told them that you worked for me and then you can increase your credit line? All this stuff, it's, it's bonkers. And these women are out like $100,000, $200,000 for this dude. And then he just, he's not around anymore. And they're like, what? And so it turned out he was using the, girl, the, the money from the previous girl to, to set this next girl up, and he was just doing that time and time again. So the, the reality is there's nothing endearing about establishing a phony or shallow relationship for mere personal gain. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling them. You are seeking me for what I have to offer. You don't know what you're doing. Seek me for me and find life. You saw what I can offer. You saw what I offered you and others, and, and you want in on the lottery of my works. Your fill of the loaves is what you're seeking, and to you, I'm just the chef. I'm just the server. So he says, and this is, man, this is so interesting. He says, don't work for the food that perishes but work for the food that endures. So don't work for now, but work for ever. Don't work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures. And, and this is an easy miss, because I've seen this a million times, but I, I didn't connect it with his question or, or his, his command that he's telling them. So they respond, they say, what must we, what must we do to be doing the works of God? It's di- directly related to, to what he just said. Don't work for things that will go away. Work for the things that will last forever. And they say, well, okay, well, what are the works of God? Right? Work is the connection. Connection. So in other words, what is it to work for forever food? And if you don't know this, this is the foundation of your life in Christ. There is no other foundation. This is the most, like, the, the, the baseline of essence for your Christian faith. What he says. What is it to do the works of God? 
And I'm sure we could ask, you know, ask a uh, hundred people, you get uh, a thousand different answers. If we ask people walking on the street or maybe walking out this door, what is it to be doing the works of God? Well, uh, you know, be a good person, do the, do the right thing, uh, donate to charities at the end of the year for tax breaks, you know, wh whatever it is. But he doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, this is the work of God. Believe in me. The one whom he has sent. That is the work. You're telling me that the foundation of my life now and forever with God is, is to, to believe in, in Jesus? See, everyone thinks it's our work, but it's, it's his work. <clears throat> you may have heard this classic Alistair Begg. He's a Scottish guy, and so he sounds cooler no matter what he says. Um, I'm Scottish too. I just have been here in the States for a while. Uh, <clears throat> he says, you know, we must preach the cross to ourselves every day, else we revert to faith plus works for salvation. And then he, he tells this story. He, he says, um, our, our salvation is not a because I, end of days, stand before the angel, entrance into heaven. Why are you here? And, and he says, if you say anything in the first person, you're missing it's in the third person. It's not because I have done anything. It's because he, right? It's because he has done everything. And then he goes on and he talks about the thief on the cross. And, and so there were two men kind of flanking Jesus when he was on the cross. And, and they were kind of uh, cursing and some other stuff. There's a, a lot going on in that scene. And, and one of them, he finally speaks up and, and he says, uh, you don't belong here like we do. That's all he says to Jesus. He says, you don't, you don't, you don't deserve to be here, but, but I do. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's his conversion. That's his salvation. That's his eternal life beginning there and lasting forever. So Alistair Begg, he, he goes on and he says, can you imagine him coming? And, and you know, he's, at, he's at the gate and he says, you know, well, why are you here? I don't know. He said, well, um, uh, it, it doesn't seem like you've been part of a church. You've not been baptized. You, you've not uh, been to Bible study. Um, like, how did you get here? Why, why are you here? I, I don't know. And he said, well, let me check with the supervisor. Like, I, I don't know. It comes back. Like, wh why are you here? Okay, question. Do you understand the, the doctrine of justification by faith? I've never heard of that. Uh, okay, uh, do you understand the doctrine of Scripture? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, do you, like, and, and we could go on. We could say, have you done all the things? Have you done more that, good than bad or, or whatever it is? And he says, no. He says, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. That's it. That is our only hope. Now what's crazy, the way they respond Okay, Jesus says, do the works of God, believe. What are those works? Well, the work of God is to believe. And they say, okay, um, what work do you do? Jesus, what work do you perform to prove that you're the one that gets me what I'm looking for? Jesus, you prove yourself. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. He gave them bread from heaven. What have you done? That's what they say to Jesus. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. So, so he says, <clears throat> first of all, like read the book. Moses just showed up and the father did everything. 
It wasn't Moses who did that. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. And, he said, and they said to him, and we've heard this before, Sir, give us this bread always. Yeah. Don't you want that? And then he says this, I, I am he. I am the bread of life. And whoever believes in me will never hunger and never thirst. You will be eternally satisfied. And not just some far off day in the future, but today. Eat forever, not for now. They're thinking of, of growling bellies. And they're like, oh gosh, I hate going grocery shopping. This would be so nice. Just like the woman at the well. Gosh, it would be so nice not to have to come down here and get water. And he's like, no. right? They're, they're thinking growling bellies. He's fixing their yearning heart in the depths of who they are. Jesus is not a means to an end. He isn't the chef or the waiter. He's the meal. We all want our best life now. Like, who doesn't want that? And we search for it in 10,000 things, in 10,000 people, in places, in, in meals and Jesus offers you, us, himself, as life. And if you believe in him, you will have all that there is to have. You will have the things that we long for. You will have your, your best life, even if you're poor and broken. And you will have uh, an eternal community that's beyond your social class. And you will be snatched from the flames of hell. And you'll be given blessing beyond us. Because what we get in the essence of, of the, the core of all this is we get Jesus. And we ask things like, God, we, we, we pray things like, God, would you give me peace in this situation? And that's great. Like, settle my heart. Would you bless me as I go do the thing? But, but really, like, it's, it's not some, some like, okay, like, let's turn the peace. Let's turn the peace knob up a little bit for this one over here. No, it's believing him is the thing that brings you peace. So we say, God, would you bless me or would you give me peace? Really what our hearts are saying is, would you show me that you're everything? And what he's saying here is, I am. So the question is, are, are you following Jesus so that you might be near to Jesus or for something that he offers? Or to say it another way, do you delight in your walk, in your life in Christ? And if so, then what if it costs you, what if it costs you everything? Is it still enough? If it's, if it's for the meal that he serves, you'll find yourself searching and hungry again. But when, when he is the meal, you can be full now and forever. And so then he says some other thick stuff, and I hope we'll get to it next week a bit. But he says, I've said this, yet you don't believe. And, and he goes on. The Father sends me the guest list, and, and I do his will, and all that will come will never be turned away, and I will lose none that he has sent. Everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Those who eat the true bread of life will be satisfied today and forever. The second thing we get to do is we get to eat receiving, not complaining. Like there is this thing about eating and complaining, and they just go really, really well together. Jesus didn't have biological children, but he 
he surely shared dinner with others who did. And, and you say, well, how do you know that? Because he connects eating to complaining. He, he, he knows how this works. And, and kids and, and many adults that I know, they complain about the menu, right? Like uh, he knows that kids eat one thing. It's chicken nuggets. Like that's the only thing that there is. And, and he knows that. And, and so he says, you know, guys, life can be so much better. And you're settling. You're settling for chicken nuggets and ramen noodles. I'm, I'm the better meal. And he, and he knows if you put any, anything with a tinge of, of seasoning and, and some special sauce or some mature or refined dining. And I, I know this because I'm the same way. You can't please everyone at dinner. And, and he knows this. He knows that there are a bunch of complainers. But it's not just about what's on the menu. But kids and adults complain about the timing. And so you hear things regularly in a household like, I'm starving. And then you hear a parent say, you're not really starving because, you know, there are people, Right? All right, and then then you have a uh, when are we eating? And I don't know when are you fixing dinner, right? Um, and then you have uh, and then you have hey dinner's ready, come down. I'm not really hungry. Like you just can't get it right. It's like no, you're eating, right? When, you know when you eat when the food is on the table. That's when you eat. When is the food on the table? When you put it there. The Jews grumbled about him. You get it. They're a bunch of complainers. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, I'm not hungry because our ancestors already ate manna in the desert like a billion years ago. And, and you're not the menu option that I'm selecting today. They complain. And, and then they go on and they say, is it, but this is like Mary and Joseph's boy, like, what, what is he saying? Then Jesus engages and he says, stop grumbling among yourselves. Quit complaining. I'm here for your good. Receive the meal. Receive me. And then he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And he says, gosh, one of the greatest burns in all of Scripture Truly, truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. This is it. This is like somebody was like, zing, after he said this. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. That's what he said. Brown. It's literally what Jesus is saying. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I flesh. It's not like, like did Jesus claim to be God? Like It's pretty clear that he's saying, I'm it. And all that you ever thought you had, I was that too. Quit complaining about the provision that is on the table and trust it for life. And here's the thing. It's, it's not like, well, okay, like I'll hold my nose and take, and, and take this Jesus. It's not like it, it's something that like, okay, fine, I, I'll play the long game and just suffer right here. If you think that, you don't know Jesus. You don't know a life in him. All of the un satisfied longings of your heart. All of the, I'm not good enough. All of the, 
he doesn't, she doesn't like me enough, all of the, they're better, all of the, if I only had, all, all of the, all of the, when you lay down at night tomorrow, I, if I can just, all of it. And I'm not saying that there's not cares in this world, there are. And he tells us what to do with those, he says, cast them at my feet. He's showing us the better way to live. Sure, you can eat junk food like, like elf and syrup on top of more syrup and chocolate and all kinds of things. Or, or Kevin McAllister, what is it with Christmas movies and junk food? But the first thing he does when no one's around is he just makes a Sunday this big. And I'm sure he felt really good afterwards. Because I'm like, Flubs is open. I get a small Brian's peanut butter cup. And it's the only thing they should have on the menu. And I eat it, and I'm like, gosh, I, okay, I'm, I'm never going to eat one of those again. <laughs> Until like two days later, and the kids are like, we should go to Flubs. And like, <laughs> like, that's what we do. It, it won't sustain when we, when we build our lives around things like that. And, and even if it satisfies, it's for a moment and then your stomach hurts, right? And the, the connection is, is both backwards for them and, and forward for us. The provision, the manna that, that they ate was evidence that the Father was present, that he was meeting needs, that he cared for them, that he was establishing a people all of his own. And he says, I am the one who, has sent, uh, who was sent to meet ultimate needs now and forever. I'm the better manna. Your greatest need isn't what your heart may be set on or what your belly grumbles for, but what the Lord offers as the greatest bread, the most filling dish, you know, the, the bottomless rolls at, at Texas Roadhouse. It's, it's Jesus. And our meal is to believe in the one whom the Father has sent. And if you've never done that, do that. And all of the complaints and all of the excuses and all of the, but what if, just push those aside, even, even right now. So I want that. I want to live with him forever. Stop looking for the next thing, stop making excuses, stop complaining. But, but here, maybe for the first time, and, and for many of us, we get to remember the first best thing that Christ alone is enough, and he is everything. He is our all in all. He holds all things together. Those who eat the true bread of life will be satisfied today and forever. Lastly, eat the good stuff, not the leftovers. The craziest thing happened uh, the day after that late night pizza issue in, in Louisville. Remember, the issue was that they, they just could not get food. And when they got it, uh, it, it was, I heard comments like, this is literally the best thing I've ever eaten. And the slices were huge. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was, I'm not saying it was worth 30 bucks, but it looked very nice, right? So, like, this is, oh, my gosh, this is, like, you know, like, oh, like, just that feeling of, like, this food is so good. And me, I just put barbecue on everything, just dip it, and Kim's all, oh, I might need to touch it. And I'm like, I don't know, Kim, I just, it's fine. 
But the next morning, I walked out of the room. I was going down in the lobby. And I walked by, and I literally stopped, and I took a photo of it. I won't have it up here, but um, it, was, it was the pizza box. It, it was one of the pizza boxes from the place, and I, it was right by the room. of the. I, I knew what it was. And there was about a half a pizza left in there, and like discarded napkins, and, and like um, crusty vegetables, and, and dried sauce. And I thought, this is, how, this is what I thought. That's how I'll end this sermon. <laughs> That's just the way this works. That's the way life for me goes. They would have died to have it. They overpaid to get it. They were deeply satisfied by it, and they discarded the leftovers as, as if it had no value at all. And then we went and we froze out in the cold, and I promise you, they would have taken those leftovers and traded them for, for hot chocolate or some hand warmers any day, all day. And I know this, that, that had that been in the summer, they would have traded that hot chocolate and hand warmers for, for, for some ice water any day, all day. You get it? That's... That's what you do. That's the story of your life. It's the story of my life. We just trade one best thing for the next best thing on repeat over and over and over. On to the next meal. How many times do we do this in a lifetime? And not just with matters of the stomach, but with matters of the heart. And what Jesus says today is, stop it. You don't have to do that. You have to settle for, for discarded, crusty, dried sauce. So Jesus says to them, truly, truly, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day because my flesh is true food and my body is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. We get to see how people respond to this next right, next week, but he's, he's just continuing the analogy. He said the work was to believe, and he's connecting all of it to food all the way down. They're looking around saying, is he literally asking us to, no, he's just showing them what to do, and then he goes on, he says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. It's not like the manna your ancestors ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. We search and we seek, and we long for and we delight in meals of all types in this life. And Jesus cuts through the search, and he says, I am the satisfaction you've been looking for. I am the meal that, that you can delight in and that fills indefinitely. It doesn't leave you looking for more or, or fighting to keep your cabinets full. I'm not like chugging chocolate milk that leaves you overindulged and, and sick. I'm not a one-night stand of momentary fulfillment that leaves you longing, broken, and empty. I'm the meal that doesn't leave you looking for the next fix. 
And so these people in this room, probably just like the people in, in, in the room that we're in, is that too good to be true? Some poor carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago is the key to unlocking the, the deepest satisfaction available in all creation? Yeah, because he isn't part of creation. He's the creator of all things, and he knows you better than you do. The cost of eating this meal is great. Your heart will, will let that cost grow and grow. And the way this, this brings life instead of death is that the cost was paid by another. Those who eat any other meal for satisfaction, they're dead, they're starved, they're bankrupt. But those who eat the meal of Christ can delight more fully in every other thing because we don't have to depend on every other thing to do and to be for us what only God can be. That's what changes everything about the way that we interact with creation is letting the foundation of this meal, that Jesus is the bread of life, that, that he is, he is the, the first layer in everything else, every other relationship, every other work that we do, every other job that we do, every other good deed, or, or all of the things. We get to treat those as if they are creation, not the center of our being. That loosens the pressure of ourselves. That loosens the pressure that we put on everyone else to, to make us feel all the feels. He is it. And if we get that right, then and only then are we set up to live in this creation, the broken pieces and the redeemed pieces, as we ought to live. Well, well how do we delight and dine on this meal? You believe in Jesus as the giver of life. You delight in him. You dine with him. He isn't the chef. He's the meal. And if you eat of him, you'll, you'll be full forever. We get to eat the good stuff, not the leftovers. And he says here, this is the bread that comes down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Now here's the thing. The wildest thing about the manna was, was, remember, it was teaching God's people about his provision. And he said, you eat all that you can eat today, but don't, don't store up any for tomorrow. Like, on the Sabbath, he gave two days worth, so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. But, but otherwise, if anyone collected two days worth or, or tried to hoard, uh, or, you know, and, and stockpile and fill the pantry or stuff some, some tots in their cargo pockets or anything like that, when they went to eat it, it became rotten and, and moldy and filled with maggots. My prayer is that we'd see our satisfaction in leftovers just the same. And anything apart from Christ... To, to set our life on is, is rotten and molded and bug infested. My prayer is that we would eat the bread of life and that we would be uh, living and full and satisfied and settled, peaceful and trusting that our life would be established on his life, that our sin would be removed by his death, that our death would be overcome by his resurrection, that our, and that we would live life to sneak away, not not to run from God, but, but to sneak away, to dine with him throughout the day as the means 
and the sustenance to sustain us for the fullest life. Those who eat the true bread of life will be satisfied today and forever. Do you believe that? The band can come on up. We have a chance to do that right now and maybe for the first time and maybe for the millionth time. We get to respond and we get to look at the screen and reflect. Say, man, how is the spirit working? How is the word working to challenge me to, to reshape my, my default and, and my patterns of thought and my patterns of living? We get to reflect and repent. We get to turn from that and not just sit in it. But, but turn from that and to, God, what, what are you asking of me? What can I do in light of all this today to follow you today and forever? Right? We get a respond. You can stand up and sing right where you are. You can sit down and pray. There's a prayer bench over there. There's someone by that red tree that would love to pray with you. And if you are in Christ, we get to take communion, which is, which is like a, a picture of, of exactly what Jesus is talking about. That we get to dine with the bread which connects to the flesh that was broken for us. And we get to dine with the drink that connects with his blood that was spilled for us. We get to do that. We get to check our hearts, repent of sin, remember and declare the good news that he is the bread of life today and forever. Father, thanks for your gifts. And most of all, thank you that, that you sent Jesus to make a way for us, to be near to you. Would you open our minds and our hearts today? Would you let us trust you today and forever? And would you let us dine with you? And not, not out of guilt or not out of compulsion, but out of just pure delight. Would you let us join you today? In Jesus' name.